Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast, where we equip Christians to identify the core beliefs of historic Christianity, discern its counterfeits, and proclaim the gospel with clarity, kindness, and truth. And I just got finished talking with Amy Davidson, who was a co-writer of the second Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality book. Guys, Amy has an amazing story. She came out of Wicca. Wicca. She got really into Wicca, and the Lord saved her out of that. But we're doing a whole episode to really equip you to understand what Wicca is, because I will tell you from my research into the deconstruction space, there have been so many people I've seen who have deconstructed out of Christianity and then are claiming to be Wiccan or even claiming to be a witch. And so this may be something that you know people, you have people in your lives. We're going to tell you everything you need to know about Wicca and then give some really good practical advice on how to minister to people in your lives who might be falling into this. So we talked about the influence of feminism in Wicca. Uh, we talked about how it's customizable. This is why it's so appealing, because you can kind of custom make it according to your own preferences. There's a strong appeal to authenticity, right, and a sense of not being judgmental of anybody else's journey or path. It's, it's very aesthetically pleasing, so there's a lot of imagery that engages the senses of beautiful pictures and um, fragrances and things that, that are just so appealing to people um, who get uh, drawn into Wicca. So really, uh, this is going to be such a powerful conversation to, for you, I think. I mean, I really had my eyes open to a few different things that I was unaware of. So uh, I'm just really excited to bring that to you. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the Unshaken Faith podcast. This is a new podcast I have with my friend Natasha Crane, where we do weekly 15-minute sort of nugget-sized truths where we respond to some things that are going on in culture to help equip you to live your faith boldly in a chaotic culture. So subscribe to the Unshaken Faith podcast. Also, go to Unshaken conference.com to know about future dates where we're going to be bringing our Unshaken Conference. We're going to be in Chino Hills at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills on May 6th. You can buy tickets for that now on unshakenconference.com. And we're going to be in a Nashville area at Brentwood Baptist in Franklin on November 4th. So keep checking the website. We'll be announcing more dates as we go along, but go to unshakenconference.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Unshaken Faith podcast. All right, guys, here's Amy Davidson. You're going to love this. It's so good. All right. Well, Amy, I'm so, I've, I've really been looking forward to this episode because I, it's so weird that this is the case, but in the deconstruction research that I've done, 
I have crossed paths with Wicca many, many times. Because as we'll see, like many people who deconstruct out of Christianity end up going through the rites of Wicca, becoming witches. And, uh, you know, I don't know much about Wicca, which is why I'm very excited about this episode. But I'd love to start with your story. I, you come out of Wicca. I mean, you know, you don't hear very often people say something like, you know, I grew up in a Wiccan home. Uh, you know, so, I mean, were your parents Wiccan or was this something you deliver, you discovered later? Tell us your story. Yeah, no, the, my, I did not come from a Wiccan home whatsoever. It was something that I discovered in high school. And there was multiple steps that kind of led me here uh, or led me to that place is I had kind of pursued after Christianity for a while, but it was mostly a, a solitary pursuit. You know, I, I would read scripture and I would have questions mm. and I just wasn't able to have anyone in my life at the moment that could answer those questions. And, you know, within Christianity, doubts are not a problem for God, but unanswered doubts can be a real mm. stumbling block to the faith. And for me, that was the case. So there were unanswered doubts uh, throughout my life. And then there was a time in middle school where, you know, my brother and I, we were sent to youth group uh, very frequently every Wednesday. And one of the hard parts that I found within youth group is it was very clicky, much like high school, mm. to where you would have people, they would be in praise and worship and seemingly very sincere. But the second the sermon was done or the games were done, it was just as clicky and snarky and catty, especially mm. among girls, as it was in high school. So there was not this authentic Christianity that I got to see. And then kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back was when I was in high school, they were, they were having to do some introductions in English class where, you know, all the students, we'd each go up and introduce a little bit about ourselves at the beginning of the year. And there was one girl that got up and she just went on and on for several minutes about how much Christ meant to her and how wonderful uh, her relationship with him was. And, and that was just the sum total of her identity. And I was watching her give this, this talk and she was one of these kids that I couldn't even walk into the lunchroom because her and her friend group were just so vile and so mean. Wow. And I'm sitting here, wait a second. This girl says Jesus is most important and Christianity and her faith is the most important thing in her life. But yet I'm terrified to be around her and her friends because of how she treats me and everything. I'm like, that's what Christianity is. I don't want to have anything to do with it. So I, I gave up on my pursuit of Christ based on a, a, the false witness of Christians around me, unfortunately. And so many people go through that same thing. So anytime we walk away from God, right, just as C.S. Lewis says, we leave that God-sized hole. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking for something to fill it. And I had just kind of a, my small group of, of outcast friends. And what was popular amongst that group was Wicca. And so I would kind of ask them questions and they had answers. And they would even tell me, oh, you know, all those passages in scripture like in uh, in Deuteronomy, where it talks about how, you know, you cannot pursue Wicca. It's an abomination unto the Lord. You know, those were just added later by later writers to persecute witches. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. You know, I can see why people would do that. And then I would ask them, well, what is Wicca? Here's this group that was accepting of me. And I wanted to know what they believed. And it sounded very beautiful and attractive. So I'm from the Pacific Northwest uh, and I loved being out in the woods. And so much of Wicca is this communion and worship within nature and acknowledging the beauty and the power within nature, which I was naturally drawn to. I mean, my, my mom will tell you that during the summers, I just lived in the backyard. I loved being in the woods. I loved collecting flowers and uh, I had a little garden plot in the backyard. So 
Wicca made sense to me because it had all of the things I already loved. Mm. And it was uh, my friend group was saying, oh, no, you can you just have to kind of find which path within Wicca suits you best. So now it's customizable. Mm. And it offered this allure of power, which being a nerdy teenager with no friends, uh, that is very, very attractive. And mm. so I ended up that throwing myself into Wicca for a solid year of just heavy study and and just wanting to embrace it. And again, there's this there's this belief that this is actually more authentic. This is your true religion because it coincides potentially with your history and your background. So we've got uh, we have Scottish ancestry, and every year we would go to the Highland Games. Everybody's in kilts and tossing cabers, like it's it's awesome. But there would always be stands with candles and crystals and these mm. sort of things and talks of you know uh, ancient druid practices. And so it's wait a second. Now this is actually in alignment with not only what I'm naturally drawn to within nature. Nature, but it coincides mm. to my ancient history as well and, and ancestors rooted within Scottish culture. Wow. And so it's all these little pieces that seem to fit together, which I was like, okay, this has to be good. And even something as innocuous as when I was a kid, there was a, a show on Disney called Halloween Town. And um, it's about a grandmother who comes to her grandchildren and the, the grandchildren discovered that they're witches. And one of the comments of the lead character she gets dressed up in this awesome cloak and she goes, oh my gosh, I'm a Wiccan. And she's really happy about it. And I remember as a kid reasoning, wait a second, if Disney is showing me and, and talking about Wicca as this positive light and they're wow. putting on the capes and it seems so fun. Well, it can't be a bad thing because why would Disney recommend something bad to kids? Why and so would it's just, Disney recommend something bad why? to kids? I mean, how I could know. that possibly happen? <laughs> I know, of course, you know, and, it, and it's so funny looking back and just seeing the reasoning to where it's it's logically valid but completely unsound but well, and very normal have... for a kid your age i mean yeah, that's yeah. why i think and you know i was being super sarcastic on that one obviously because yeah. there's just been such as you well know having worked on the mama bear book on sexuality like there's such an influx of that ideology through disney so i was being super sarcastic yeah. but yeah you're right yeah. i mean from the perspective of the kid that's a natural reaction yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it, you know, it's, it's a, we're all looking for a place to fit. I mean, middle yeah. school and high school, that is where our, our identity is in flux and it's very much influenced by the social groups w with which we're involved. And so very oftentimes when you have a social group or, or a child that feels like an outcast, helpless, victimized in some way, a state or form, then a religion that offers community, power, control. Mm. I mean, this is going to seem very appealing. And then of course, you've got the the mystical nature of it. I mean, it's it's exciting to think of yourself as a witch and oh, you're going to be casting spells and now you're going to take back power and it's aesthetically rich. I mean, mm. the the herbs are are beautiful and fragrant. The crystals are beautiful. And nowadays, I mean, we didn't have, you know, TikTok and Instagram and any of that stuff back in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And now, I mean, there is a whole world within TikTok. It's called Witch Talk. And on Instagram to where there are just pages upon pages of how to set up your altar to look wow. beautiful. And I mean, it, it is, it's taking this beauty of creation and raising it up in the form of an idol. And I just fell for it hook 
line and sinker because it, it seemed to offer me what I was looking for. It, it appealed to what I naturally loved, with, which was nature and, uh, and getting within the forest and that sort of thing. And so it appealed to all of these things. And I never stopped to ask, at least not until later, you know, wait a second, is this really good? Is my focus on the right thing? And is the, the thing that I'm seeking actually going to be attainable within this worldview? And, mm. uh, and so, yeah, in the beginning, that's, that's what led me to it. So everybody's story is different, but you mentioned deconstruction. And one thing I've noticed, especially among women who are attracted to Wicca is very often they will come from a very strict worldview, mm. Christian worldview you know, whether it's um, Catholicism, Jehovah's Witness, um, hardcore fundamentalist Christians, so often they will come out of like a very rigid religious structure and mm -hmm. then go into Wicca through the process of deconstruction. And so it's just interesting yeah. to see that that correlation of, okay, I go from uh, rigid patriarchal uh, society, religious society to now Wicca, which is very much in line with feminism, internal empowerment, yes. all of these things that sounds so alluring. And yeah. that is some of the reasons why some people I think are attracted into it, especially women. Yeah, boy, so much, so many directions I want to go here. But let's let's stick with the story before we get into some of these details. Um, so were your parents Christians or... Or were they um, sort of non-religious or? It was kind of more of like a, like a non-religious thing. Like we, we went to church every now and then my, my grandmother was the religious matriarch of the family. Okay. Like every time we got together with grandma, you know, she would pray over us. She taught Sunday school for years and years and years, um, was a, was a wonderful believer all of her life. Um, but within our household, it just wasn't something that was engaged in very much. Um, it was, it was something that we occasionally did on Sunday. Um, and I think it was kind of just sort of left up to us kids. Like if we, if we liked it, if we were interested in it, it was kind of a hands-off approach to religion. And so, you know, with questions that I would have regarding Christianity, it was usually responded with, well, you got to ask grandma. Grandma would know that. Grandma would know. Well, oh, grandma's, it, yeah. yeah, she's 80 and she doesn't hear very well over the phone. And so eventually you just stop asking. And so, so it wasn't really engaged all that much, but I do remember uh, one instance to where probably about halfway through um, probably about six months into me pursuing Wicca, I had, I had been wearing a pentagram for a while and it had normally been under my shirt and I had been running up the stairs and it, it had bounced out and my mom saw it and she kind of froze and she was like, you should not be wearing that in the house. Cause I don't, I don't want you to bring evil into this house. And I'm like, well, mom, it's Wicca isn't about evil. And, mm. uh, and then, you know, just kind of walked past. So even though there wasn't a lot of religious discipleship within the home, specifically Christian focused, there was that recognition within Wicca that, okay, wait a second, if we're dabbling within the occult, then we are opening the door for evil to enter into. So there was that apprehension there, but that was probably our only interaction because I kept, um, I kept all of like my herbs and crystals and my books pretty well hidden in my room. Yeah. I had this wooden chest uh, that would kind of double as an altar. And I would keep it all sort of tucked in there. And I, if I was going to do any research or reading, I did a couple of instances of, of spell casting. And it was always at, at night when everybody had gone to bed to where, you know, mom and dad, they, they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And or I would, I would do it outside in the backyard. You know, they just thought I was playing. And mm -hmm. so um, so it was one of those to where I made sure I kept it hidden. Uh, from my parents, but then there wasn't as much engagement with it. If, even from that one interaction, that was about the only conversation that we had about it. Wow. So, okay. Uh, what, what started to bring you out of it? Um, how old were you? How many years were you involved deeply in it? And then what, what were the situations in your life that 
led you to write a mama bear apologetics book on sexuality. I mean, that's like a I radical know, right? detour, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. My, my whole life is just like giant radical detours all, all over the place. I mean, I, I intended to be a storm chaser from the time I was five and then, you know, God used my love of, of weather it, to lead me into ministry. So it's, wow. it's amazing how God works. Uh, so I was in Wicca for exactly one year, which probably doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it really is significant because within the, the modern understanding of Wicca, you become a witch after a year and a day. So that's mm. that's the trial period. Wow. Um, so you don't actually get the term witch or the moniker witch until you've been in it a year and one day. And so I had been pursuing after it and I was just vehemently opposed to God at the moment because again, everything that I, I thought I knew about God, God is supposed to be loving and his believers are supposed to be loving loving and accepting and charitable, but yet the believers I, I encountered were just these mm -hmm. clicky high school crowd and a youth pastor who was more interested in hanging out with, you know, the, being the cool youth pastor. And, you know, I'm just as much an outcast at church as I am at high school. Wow. And why would I go? And so I had this kind of, I had this aversion to God, but he was always there in the background. And and that's one thing that whole year, it's like I, there were moments where I would hear his, his voice, his nudging in the back, like, you know, this isn't where you're supposed to be going. And I would just completely refuse him. Like, no, God, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm going to pursue after this. This is going to be my life. I'm going to raise my children in this. Like I had all these grand plans of how my house was going to be decorated. Like, you know, this amazing country witch's cottage. And I mean, I was just constantly in the, in the fantasy realm, but always he was there like, nope, this isn't going to be it. This isn't going to be it. And I would try to do different spell castings and things and uh, it didn't work. And I, I would start reading um, passages within the books. And I'm like, well, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. And uh, so I always, I kept having these doubts. And there was one point toward the end of that year mark to where there was a, a divination coin that I had. So there's various ways you can do divination within Wicca. And one of them is, is through this, this coin um, that you can use. And I remember just sitting there, I'm like, okay, I've got God in the back of my head saying, this isn't where you're supposed to be, but it's where I want to be because everything that I'd seen of Christianity just was not attractive or appealing to me. And I was, I was flipping this coin over and over, asking the same question, am I going to be a witch? And I probably flipped it 15 to 20 times. And every single time, no matter how I shook it, tossed it, whatever, it was always no, 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 no. Um, every single time, which I was like, well, that's just weird. You know, if you're flipping a coin, it's going to pop heads eventually. Mm -hmm. And it just, it wouldn't do that there. Um, and then I was just sitting there one day in my room, looking at everything, looking at the herbs and the crystals and the, the books that I had been reading. And I'm like, you know, this isn't working. This, this isn't offering me what I'm looking for. There, there's even like, depending on what book you're reading, they'll have contradictory statements of beliefs or what happens after you die, those core worldview questions we all have. And I started looking back at my, my Bible and just reflecting on what God's word said. And I was like, but wait a second, that, that's true. Maybe, maybe it's the people that have kind of messed up that I've encountered. Maybe that's not really who God is. So on that year mark, I, I just, I pushed it all away. I was reading through scripture and I go, you know what? This isn't right. This isn't true. This isn't, this is not good. I'm not going to pursue this. And I, I threw away what I could throw away. I even brought out the, um, I brought out my dad's old grill and I, I, I burnt my books, um, in the backyard, just, just myself. And, um, then 
just devoted myself into scripture. So this was about the time I was 17 or so, devoted myself into scripture. I went to Christian summer camp before I left for basic training and was baptized and have just thrown myself into knowing who God is and, and studying his word. And like I said, through, through the military, uh, I started pursuing, I tried to get into meteorology and it never, never panned out. And so I was like, well, I love weather and I love God. So let me look into how I can get to know him more. And that led me to my undergrad. And then eventually here in Texas, got my master's degree in apologetics, which led me to mama bear apologetics. And, um, just through further study into this book on on sexuality and seeing how culture has shifted into this idolization of the body and mm. this idolization of sexuality and uh, orgasm as your as your savior and um, it it's one of these things that it is luring children so mm. easily they're so effectively evangelizing the next generation and I remember being that kid who had questions who heard these attractive statements and fell for them because I didn't have anybody giving me answers and that's one thing I love about Mama Bear Apologetics is that's the sole goal is to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore yeah. and so I love especially talking to teens because I just I've got that heart there because I remember when I was that teen and I just I wish somebody had been there to to just pour into me and to just love me where I was at and to answer these questions or just someone who knew answers. And that's kind of where, where I hope to, what I hope to do and yeah. why I love mama bears. Cause that's our goal. Yeah. Well, and you guys do a great job with it. You and Hillary and others that have contributed. And I love that there's so much cross collaboration with Mama Bear. And everywhere I go, Amy, everywhere I go, when I go speak, people are like, oh, I got the Mama Bear book. I love the Mama Bear book. And so you have equipped so many moms and dads, Mama Bears and Papa Bears, to uh, to help disciple their kids in this kind of insane crazy, chaotic culture, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. I, I'd love to talk, uh, dig down into some of the details here because, you know, what, what I really hope with this episode is that this will really help Christians to understand Wicca. And I think we do need to understand it because we are seeing so such, I don't, I don't know the, the stats, like I don't have any data, but it seems like it's really on the rise. It's just, you see it all over the place. Um, there, I just saw on Twitter where there was a girl who was a Zoe girl fan when she was younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's for anybody who doesn't know, that was the band I was in in CCM back in the early 2000s. And she deconstructed and mm-hmm. she went through the rites of Wicca, became a witch, and she now calls herself a sex witch. And yeah. yet still kind of is accepted in the progressive Christian community. There's a lot of crossover. And that can be very confusing for people who might have some misconceptions about Wicca, one of which I think is that a lot of people think that Wicca is, and I, I think I thought this when I was younger, that Wicca is like Satan worship, that it's, yeah. um, you know, that you're worshiping Satan. Maybe speak to that. Let's start with maybe some misconceptions, starting with the Satan worship misconception. Yeah. So that, like you said, it's a huge misconception. Most Wiccans will not even affirm the existence of Satan. They will say, no, that is a construct within Christianity that doesn't Mm. actually exist. So what's interesting there is there is a bit of tension within the Wiccan community because some will acknowledge the demonic realm and the existence of the demonic realm, as well as how dangerous it is to summon demons, even though that even is an aspect, not necessarily within Wicca, but um, there are folks who, who will summon demons different demons, depending on what they want to learn or achieve. And, and 
and that sort. But within Wicca, they will say, no, we don't believe in Satan. So calling us devil worship or Satan worship, if, if you were to come out the gate with that to a Wiccan, you will instantly close the door for conversation because they will say, we don't even believe in Satan. You're accusing me of something I don't even believe in. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it, Wicca in general is not about Satan worship at all. Instead, there are different deities. And again, this is personal to each individual witch. So another, another fun fact is there's not witches and warlocks. If you're a man or a woman, you're still called a witch. So mm. uh, that's, that's universal for guys and gals. And what you believe really depends on which path within Wicca you pursue. So some believe in the goddess and the godhead. Some believe in just the goddess. Some believe in lots of minor deities. There's borrowing even from uh, some ancient Egyptian texts of gods, Osiris, Horus, that sort of thing. Norse mythology can can mix in. Celtic mythology can mix in. So it's one of those, it's, it's hard to define Wicca because really there are so many avenues within it mm. that each, each Wiccan will tell you something different that they believe. Well, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Amy Davidson today. I want to take a moment and let you know about today's sponsor. Many of you already know and love them. It's Good Ranchers, American Meat Delivered. I want to take a few minutes and tell you a few little special things about Good Ranchers you may not know. Of course, we always say American Meat Delivered. I want to tell you what that means. It means that 100% of the meat that comes to you from Good Ranchers is born, raised, and harvested in the United States. This supports local American farmers instead of foreign corporations operations. And you know where your meat's coming from. The supply chain is connecting you directly to real farms and ranches in America. Here's another thing you may not know is that all of the meat that's coming from Good Ranchers is steakhouse quality. So you may not know that a majority of the meat that is sold in the stores are low quality, they're ungraded, but Good Ranchers sells only USDA prime and upper choice beef. And that just means the best cuts and the best beef score possible. And I can attest to that. I'm telling you guys, it is so, so good. Another thing you may not know about Good Ranchers is that they donate 10 meals to families in need for every box purchased. Did you know they've donated over 900,000 meals since their business began? So this is a no-brainer. We love it in our family. It makes planning dinners so easy. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use the code ALISA for a special discount, or you can go to GoodRanchers.com slash ALISA. So is is Wicca sort of uh, maybe an umbrella term for ancient pagan cult like religions? Like because you mentioned going through like the Scottish and the Druid kind of the on that side of the the thing, and then there's the Norse thing, and there's the old you know Viking religions and and things. I mean, is it kind of an umbrella term, or how how would you describe that? It is kind of an umbrella term. It's heavily entrenched within nature worship, but mm. Wicca itself, the word, so Wicca, is, it used to be W-I-C-A, and that was more of the Celtic language for wise ones. So it's more of like this ancient wisdom that's heavily entrenched within nature itself. Uh, oftentimes I've heard people say, well, this was the original religion. It's the oldest religion as if mm -hmm. age determines truth. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so yes, you've got, it's more in this realm of a cult, but it, it is focused on more being one with nature and the energies and vibrations within nature. So kind of this pantheistic worldview, kind of like how we see 
and uh, Star Wars, like the force, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what's all around us. And you can channel that energy to accomplish your will. In fact, that's what um, Aleister Crowley, one of the early founders of um, the teachings that are now incorporated into Wicca, he even said that magic is the science and art of causing change to occur in the conformity with will. So it's you just using science, art, channeling these energies, and then using it to accomplish the perceived will. And a lot of Wiccan books that you'll see on the back of it, it always encourages you like, oh, you know, get your lost love, attain money, power, Mm. the new job, you know, it's all of this. Look at all these things you can accomplish. And it was funny through Instagram, I actually got a message from a, a lady who uh, calls herself a a psychic, considers herself a psychic, and she was reaching out to me, letting me know that you know if I wanted her to do any spell casting that for you know uh, fertility f- to reach lost loves, money, you know all of these things, then to reach out to her and she goes, "Don't worry, it's not evil. Instead, we are just channeling the power of our ancestors." So again, it's that rooting within mm. ancestors as mm-hmm. well in some in some aspects of Wicca. So again, there's. There's lots of branches within it, and it really just depends which appeals to you. There's different there's different types of witches too, based on your proclivities. So, because I liked you know forest and and gardening and that sort of thing, I fell more in line with the green witch category. But there's sea witches who are you know they are drawn to the ocean and they do a lot of energy there. There's uh, cosmic witches who are interested in astrology and astronomy. So for whatever you naturally are drawn to, there is a brand of witch that you can go and strive after and tailor your craft to, to include their own gods, goddesses, um, deities around. It really is one of the most customizable religions out there. This question may seem like it's totally out of left field, but do you think that there's any connection between like Wicca and everything you're describing? Because I'm just thinking like cosplay. Is there any connection between, or is cosplay like a gateway to something or, or vice versa? It can be. I mean, just yeah. like anime can even be a gateway into witchcraft. Yeah. It really depends on what you can, what you hyper focus on, and what you get out of it. So within Wicca, I mean, we're we're talking ceremonies here. You, it could be something simple to where they're like, well, you don't have to wear anything specific. You just be what's comfortable whenever you are doing a sort of ceremony. To the extent of, oh, you know, we will put on um, uh, flower uh, crowns or horns, uh, symbolic of different gods um, or goddesses. We will have the out kind of like a a medieval fair, potentially. So what's interesting is when you look at Wicca, some of these pictures and things you'll see are people in in heavy makeup that make them look like fairies with prosthetic ears Mm -hmm, and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So there's this element of fantasy that's in there. And when we think of cosplay and uh, even LARPing, live action role playing, it's you're trying to dress up and and put yourself as this character, kind of like in a play. And that's very alluring. And that's actually part of the aspect of some of Wicca's, you know, you, you want to get yourself in this state to where you feel body, mind and soul immersed in what you're doing so that you can channel these energies and accomplish what you're trying to do with your spellcraft. So can cosplay lead people into Wicca? It's definitely possible because there's that element of fantasy that's really attractive that mm-hmm. can appeal to somebody. And then they say, okay, well, this is part of it. Well, let me go in and look and see further. Let me, there's just like some kids, you know, there's this pushback against Harry Potter and some kids can be led into Wicca through it because they see the mysticism and, oh, this is a fun story and they're casting spells. Well, Wicca is like casting spells though. If you ask Wiccans, they'll be like, no, we're, we're not like Harry Potter. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they understand the distinction, but especially to 
younger generation, they hear, oh, this is a witch and you can study and go to school and this sounds amazing. And oh, now even within Wicca, you have workbooks that you can do and there's crystals and spells. And I mean, it's, it's hugely lucrative too. So many influencers Mm. online within Wicca, you know, have these customized little kits for the baby witches out there to start your first summoning spell or, or uh, crafting, you know, whatever you may need, candles, oils. I mean, they, they will get it all to you. And it just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It looks beautiful Mm -hmm. and everything, and it appeals to the senses, but we have to make sure that we're sensible with our senses as well. So yes, Mm -hmm. I mean, cosplay can lead into it. Anime, uh, they've, I was talking with Krista Brontag, Brontrager, excuse me, um, about the occult. And she had mentioned how, especially with boys, while they might be, um, lured into the occult, it'll be different from girls. Girls like the aesthetics and the mm. and, and the pretty sort of thing. Um, but boys will be more interested in more of like slasher movies or horror mm. films and that sort of thing. So more of the violence, whereas girls like are more drawn naturally to the aesthetics and the beauty uh, of herbs and flowers and oils. Boys are more drawn in through maybe violence, anime, and horror movies. Fascinating. So as Christian parents, uh, you know, I'm just like going through in my mind as you're talking, like the entertainments that my kids take in, the games they play, things like this, you know, what, how can we, how can we not overreact, but also be very discerning about what our kids are taking in and even how to disciple our kids through those types of situations? Because I can see, I can just off the top of my head, think of a couple of different vulnerabilities we may have in that area, just on the the whole beauty aspect of things and how it's portrayed in nature and the forest and the fairies and all of these things. I mean, of yeah. course, we don't want to become overreactive, which is another reason I love Mama Bear, because you really teach how to discern at an age-appropriate level without fear and, and so, you know, what would be your advice to Christian parents who are like, you know, because here's the thing, too. I, I'd love your thoughts on this as you tie in your answer to this question. There can almost sometimes even be like this unspoken, I don't even know what you would call it. In some streams of Christianity, they might even call it a stronghold or something like that, where something just kind of gets its hooks in you. And you can see this happen with your kids when they become really obsessed with something. And it's like all they can think about. It's all they can talk about. And you might have concerns. Like, what would your advice be to a parent who finds himself in that kind of a situation where they might think maybe their kid's a little vulnerable to this? Mm. Well, and I think that's a good point because parents can usually recognize the vulnerabilities of their kids before their kids do. Kids don't right. see things as a problem, just like us adults, right? Yeah. We, we're like, deal? No, <laughs> I don't have a problem. And while everybody else is like, no, really you do. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that's one of those situations to where as parents, we got to be proactive. If, you're tri- if you know your child is vulnerable to this, that means that you want to be uh, diligent in teaching them what it is, discerning. So we use the ROAR method within Mama Bear, recognize the mess. What are actually teaching? What are, what are the good points that they're making? What are the truth things that they're making? What is the falsehood that they're embracing or teaching? How does scripture actually help us discern truth from falsehood regarding this? And then reinforce with further discussion. And you can do that most easily by watching TV shows with your kids. So there's mm-hmm. some shows uh, to where we have watched an episode or two just because it's come on. There's um, Oh gosh, the Owl House was one that it, it first come out, and uh, I had watched it myself because I had heard that here's this new show, and the the summary from the creator is she wanted to write a show about witchcraft that takes place in hell, and I'm like, oh my oh. goodness! So here's Disney, you know, with this uh, kid going to this magical realm within hell and encountering all these wow. demonic figures um, from you know these these medieval paintings and things, and I was curious what they were saying, and and my son had walked in too at the time. 
And so I just was like, okay, this is what we're seeing. This is where, you know, these creatures are coming from. Even the, uh, the symbols and things they use within the show are actually pulled from books of witchcraft and mm. even Satanism. And so it's one of those to where we were able to point out, okay, yeah, this may look alluring and we're getting this offer of power, but is that what we're called to seek after? And mm. what makes this power good? And what is the source of this power? And what are we opening ourselves up to? So when we ask and discuss this with our kiddos, what we're helping them do is to think critically and future-minded through the situation and see the implications of those actions and of those decisions, because that's a skill that as young people, they don't naturally have. That's something that has to be trained like a muscle. That's that good critical thinking that we have to mm -hmm. foster. So with our kids, we do want to make sure that we are gradually training them to recognize these things because the world is bringing them back in. I mean, this past uh, year, it's like the 90s are back in vogue. And right. what was all about the 90s? It was all like goth and Wicca, like mm -hmm. the craft came out then. And even this past Christmas, it was funny because I was looking up stocking stuffers for my teen boy, right? Because teen boys, they're so hard to yeah. shop for. And uh, one of the, or most of the suggestions for girls for stocking stuffers were decks of tarot cards and smudge wow. sticks that you can burn and cleanse your dorm room or cleanse your bedroom. And even wow. the books, like walking into Target, you know, they had all these books on how to be a kitchen witch and, oh, here's a garden witch book. And so I saw this coming back even to kids' toys. Like there was, um, oh gosh, there was a meditation Barbie. There was a um, a crystal ball that you you got this fluffy little critter inside of that once you open it, you see what critter you have. And, you know, these are, these are somewhat innocuous things. And for some children, this won't be a problem. You know, it's just a toy. But for other kids, depending on their personality, it could potentially lead them into diving into the cult. And then when you've got teenagers who are desperately trying to be unique and what's so unique about Gen Z now is their social community is the world because of social media. Mm -hmm. Before it was just their classroom and the neighbor kids. Like that was it. So they didn't have to work really hard to stand out or to find themselves within that community. But now we have social media to make their community that they're having to compete with for their own identity and to stand out as the world. Well, now we have to look for more dramatic overt ways to try and not feel left out, um, to feel unique and different. And one of the ways to do that, especially now, because Christianity is seen as so oppressive and judgmental and anti-LGBTQ and all the all these things. Mm -hmm. Well, being a witch actually has some sort of spiritual intersectionality points with it. Wow. Because within Wicca, you can be accepting of everyone and it, uh, everything is okay. And you are there to, you know, put goodness out. In fact, that's that's the the read within Wicca is as it harm none, do as ye will. Meaning as long as you're not hurting somebody, you can do whatever you want. Mm. So there's this illusion of freedom there. And um and then there's there's within Wicca is you don't have to evangelize anyone. You everybody's just on their spiritual path, and that is your goal is to find your path. So now you don't have to evangelize. You can be accepting of anyone. There's no judging, quote unquote, within there. And so this is really appealing. And what mm. we're finding, even within youth groups is there's this allure to crystals and that sort of thing. And, and young people, especially, and even, even Christians, they don't see anything wrong with that. They don't see the tension within, well, what if I have some crystals in my house that yeah. are, you know, cleansing the space with, with these energies? I mean, that's fine, right? Cause they're crystals and God made them. So what's, what's the big deal? And there was one gal that I met, um, she was actually going to be the nanny for a family. She was from California and she was huge into, um, 
sort of new age spiritualism. And she did a lot of work with crystals and that sort of thing. And she just commented one day, she was like, you would be so surprised how many Christians I have as my clients who want me to come in and cleanse their space and use wow. crystals. And they don't see any tension with that. So I think that stems from a, a fear of being perceived as judgmental from the world, the allure of not having to fulfill the great commission or um, maybe have that tension of, wait a second, this person may be acting immorally. No, we don't have to worry about that anymore within Wicca. And then within Wicca, the goal is to try and do as much good as possible. Like I'm the source of this good. I put out good because there's also this belief, kind of this karmaic belief mm. that whatever you put out into the world will come back to you threefold. So if you put out goodness, it'll come back to you threefold. If you put out badness, it'll come back to you threefold. So the goal is to try and seek after good. But mm -hmm. I mean, as, as apologists, as, as Christian thinkers, okay, what do you mean by good? What mm -hmm. is the source of this good? What is this good glorifying? I mean, these questions um, don't often come up or not interactive with within Christian, the church setting. So, so many teens uh, and young Christians are falling into this new age revival that we're seeing coming mm -hmm. through uh, the church right now and saying, well, you know, this isn't, this isn't a problem. I can just go ahead and, and dabble in this stuff too, and just be a loving, a loving Christian. Yeah. Boy, you mentioned that it's pantheistic. And um, as you were describing it, that's what's coming to my mind. It's like, it's, it sounds like pantheism. And for anybody watching, listening that may not be familiar with that term, pantheism is a worldview that teaches that God is all, all is God. So the word pan means all, theism, God. So God is all, all is God. So in other words, the, according to the pantheistic worldview, just put very simply, all of reality is divine. It is God, right? It is the explanation of God. Um, and then of course, in progressive Christianity, and I'm guessing probably within Wicca as well, especially the streams that might believe in the supernatural, like demons or things like that, there's the view panentheism, which is kind of close cousin to pantheism, um, pan being all in, meaning in, and then God, theistic God. So all is in God, God is in all, would be panentheism. Um, and I'm, it's just fascinating. Like, like how would they work that out, Amy? Like a, somebody in a stream of Wicca that might actually believe in supernatural beings, would that fit within a flat pantheistic view? Or would they be more like a panentheist who might believe that there was some divine being that created the universe, but then filled it up with his spirit or her spirit or, or something like that? Honestly, it's different from each person. That's okay. the thing. Some people, some people, you can just custom make it, right? You can just customize really it. Really can't. Yeah, hundred percent. You can you can customize it and uh, and choose whichever best fits your worldview or your understanding. So um, and and so that's what's interesting because that belief in and of itself uh, kind of breeds contradiction within Wicca because there's a belief that, you know, there, there is divinity in all things. And there's this energy and holiness that you can strive to within some branches of Wicca. They will even acknowledge angels to where you have angelic beings that are yours, uh, kind of like guardian angels that maybe you're familiar with in Christianity, but that you can channel these beings to again, achieve your will. Same with mm. the demonic realm. Some will even believe that maybe you can even use the demonic realm to achieve your will, give you enlightenment, that sort of thing that isn't specifically Wicca, but under the branches of the occult. And I've even heard Wiccans refer to God as well in much of this same sense to where God is 
this powerful being, but he's somebody that you can channel to accomplish your will. So, mm -hmm. and that's what's so interesting within Wicca. It's you are the source, you are the center, you are the source of the goodness and the truth and determinant of that truth. And then you channel these things to accomplish your will. So it's my will be done, not thy will be done. Mm. And there's that contradiction there because within this worldview, if everything is divine, then everything should be treated with respect. And there, there's even teachings on, you know, how to harvest herbs and trees, uh, like bark and things from trees to be respectful of potentially the spirits that are there. But yet so many within Wicca are feminists to the point of being pro-choice. So it's, wait a second, if there's divinity yeah. and holiness and goodness in all things, but how then can you be pro-choice? Because if mm -hmm. we're not supposed to inflict harm, wouldn't taking the life of a child actually be causing harm and uh, and, and be an abomination? So there's this, mm -hmm. there's this tension there with there, even within spell crafting. So there's love spells. There's one thing that's, that's pretty big is, oh, if you have an ex, well, you can cast this spell. Like the gal who emailed me, she offered uh, for me to, or for her to be able to bring back my, my ex by casting this spell. But wait a second, if this is a autonomous human being, and we're going to cast a spell to manipulate him emotionally, psychologically, to bring him back into a mm -hmm. relationship with me that he did not want to have. Isn't that harm? Isn't that mm -hmm. dangerous? And I've yeah. heard some say that, oh, well, you know, these love spells, they only actually work if the person does have an affection for you and does actually want to hang out with you. And it's like, well, then what's the point of the spell? Invite him out for coffee and just have a conversation. Right. And so, right. so it's, it's interesting how there's tension within that there's, you're supposed to seek after this goodness and not seek after, you know, even uh, monetary gain or, or using it to your benefit. But yet these folks will then, you know, make candles and sell oils and do these things to their benefits. And some people will be like, oh yeah, I understand there's a tension there. And it's, wait a second, if you're intentionally living in direct opposition to your original beliefs, that's, that's inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, it's just some of the, some of the stuff that's kind of wrapped up within there that, that you have to sort of weed through. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah I and often I think in, it went off on a rabbit trail. No, I love it's a great rabbit trail. I love it. Um, but odd, sometimes in these these types of worldviews, though, contradiction is even welcome. You know, um, Richard Rohr, who teaches the universal Christ, and which is kind of a concept that was really big in the New Age, and then he brought it into Christianity. Um, you know, he even and trains his audience that if they see contradictions or if they think those types of contradictions matter, that they're just stuck in dualistic thinking. They're stuck mm -hmm. in either or thinking. So we need to like embrace these types of contradictions, which of course sets up his audience to be able, you know, to overlook all of his many contradictions, you know, in that he puts forth in his writings and in his speaking. But there's, yeah, there's kind of seems to be a similarity. So that I want to ask you, I want to be sure we touch on feminism, but first, um, you know, what is the relationship between the new age and Wicca? Uh, are they the same thing? Two different words for the same thing? Or is there something that's distinctive between them? You know, it really depends. You Again, I feel bad saying you have to ask the person, but you really mm. do because um, within new age, they could just be focusing in on herbs and crystals and that sort of thing and not even concede to the existence of a goddess or God or any form of deities at all. Whereas in, within Wicca, you know, there could be the God and the goddess or it's just uh, Gaia. It's worship of mother nature. It's only feminine focused. Um, so it really depends on the person. So uh, Wicca is fairly new. It's only between 50 and 70 years old. And, um, and so new age is focused 
focus more on sort of this, you know, the mysticism. We can use tarot cards uh, to find out the future. Um, we can, uh, astral projection is also involved within New Age. There's so many, there's so many avenues within it that it's hard to just sort of nail that down. So it's definitely an aspect within this New Age movement, but some of them will, will say, well, I don't acknowledge the existence of a goddess or God, but there is this sort of, there's this sort of being, you know, mm -hmm. that, that we get this life force from. So it, it's highly personal to each person. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about feminism because you you shared something with me off the air that I I thought was so fascinating and that's just that it's it's a very feministic type of religion. Explain that. And you even said like there was an acronym or something. I can't remember what it was, but you could oh, maybe right. share that with us. Yeah, so I I read not too long ago that a witch is just a women a woman in total control of herself. Mm. And so Wicca is really seeing this resurgence especially among women. Like if you hop on Cosmopolitan, Vogue, Teen Vogue, Teen Cosmo, they have all sorts of articles on how to infuse magic within your love life or how to, you know, uh, get the job through witchcraft and that sort of thing. And what is so attractive to women, especially about Wicca is because it is very feminist focused. So there is this empowerment that's within you ladies that, that you can channel. And Wicca, because there are so many women that practice it, it's the opposite of what we would think of like standardized patriarchal religion. It's, mm -hmm. it's that exact opposite for it. So no, I no longer have a man talking over me. Instead, I am actually a goddess in and of myself and I can worship the goddess and I can take control. So I'm no longer being controlled or oppressed by any sort of man. And you can actually use magic to again exert control and and make change around you so you mentioned uh, a little earlier about sex magic that's that's actually one of the aspects within wicca is you can actually use sex as a way of worship as a way of actualizing your intentions of seeking out what you want to do and this this isn't anything new um i mean when we when we look at scripture we see that sex was actually part of ancient um uh, idol worship. And mm -hmm. today it's still the same thing. It's this hyper focus on the sex act, sex act itself. And that scene is a form of empowerment. So when we think of third and fourth wave feminism, like how Beyonce and uh, Cardi B and Megan the Stallion, you know, they're, they're singing about using your bodies to take control and, and gain power. I mean, that's, that's all within that realm. And yeah. so there's this allure, especially for women, if they have maybe come out of an oppressive uh, relationship or um, religion, especially if there's been a, a man that they have been mistreated by, Wicca is very attractive because it allows them a, a foothold within the spiritual without having a man be the center, which we mm. also, you probably noticed within deconstruction. So much of deconstruction is the rejection of any sort of patriarchal order. That's so right. God can no longer be referred to as a he. It's called she. And mm -hmm. any of the apostle writers, you know, you can't trust what they wrote because they're men and that yep. sort. And so within in Wicca, it's especially attractive to women because it gives that power and control and this, oh, I have a goddess now, a loving mother who looks over and mother earth, you know, it's very mm -hmm. much female focused, which can be really attractive. Mm -hmm. And even among young teen girls, it can be attractive too, because it gives an opportunity for control. So yeah. just physiologically, men are stronger than women, but within Wicca, well, now you can tap into the spiritual realm and you can exert a control over an individual um, or attempt to, who yeah. might be physically stronger than you, but you have that, that spiritual power over them. So that's, that's how it can mm. be very alluring, especially to women. Man, I, I can totally see why this is so attractive.
I mean, it's just, it hits all the, all the buttons of the things that, that people are naturally drawn to in our sinful nature, yeah. right? Um, you talked about the feminism. You talked about how it's highly customizable. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about how it really strikes the, at the heart of the sort of cultural slogan of just be your true authentic self. I think this is something I've been thinking about a lot. I wrote about it in my book, Live, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. And it's sort of like, you know, the Bible says who we are is who God made us to be, right? Our, right. We are humans made in the image and likeness of God. We're fallen, uh, but we're valuable. And there's so much that the Bible has to say about what we are. But according to culture, I am what I feel I am. I am mm -hmm. what my feelings say. And so it, there's a sense in which culture says, just do some introspection, search deep into your soul, identify what your deepest desires are. And then, you know, the assumption though, is that those desires are going to be something that's good and then yeah. just live those things out. And so I can see how this would fit very nicely with that be your true authentic self message. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And and it does. It it applies to that that self, that natural desire. But as we're told in scripture, is the heart is deceitful above all things. So just because we desire something, that doesn't necessarily mean the thing that we're desiring is good or good for us. But that is not within Wicca. And there's an interesting parallel within kind of the kind of the under uh the philosophical pillars of wicca and even satanism so satanism they say that some of the pillars are um secular humanism and hedonism so this belief that human beings are just inherently good and hedonism the indulgence of desires well within wicca you have that goodness within you you have power within you and not only that a lot of books that i remember reading as a teen it was talking about oh you've got this power you have to discover it you might be this powerful being so now somebody who might be feeling vulnerable is now being offered kind of like this this savior complex within there kind of like you know harry potter was the chosen one right and he ended mm -hmm. up um saving uh saving everyone and that is actually kind of offered to each individual individual person is you've got the power within you you just have to unlock it in fact maybe your religion your family or whatever has repressed this mm. and so part of this freedom is finding okay where is your power where is your source and then you you bring that about through authentic living like if you desire it you seek after it and get it and there's that root of well we can't have any sort of judgment within wicca in fact that's one of the things that christianity is so toxic about is often said is because they say no there is a right and wrong uh, whereas wicca is no you're just finding your path. So now you're living your truth. You're seeking after these desires. And so many of the goals of even the spell casting within Wicca is to achieve a sort of materialistic desire. It, it's health, wealth, power, and sex are usually the result of all of, of any and all spells. Mm. And so that is the goal is to achieve this materialistic gain. Um, through through means of spell casting or how you live your life with this sort of karmaic worldview or as long as i'm doing something that's good then it's okay it's going to come back and benefit me even more but then where do we get this standard of good i mean the only reason we can discern true uh, good from bad is if we have a standard that says what is good and bad we have that in christ but you cannot have that outside of him and so everything is purely subjective. Mm -hmm. You have to just go on where your feelings lead you. And that's very dangerous. TZ Cannon, I uh, love her, her comment in the first Mama Bear book is that feelings are a great check engine light, but a terrible GPS. Mm. And so often what's cultivated in so many worldviews, but especially Wicca, it's okay, if, if you feel this way, if you're naturally drawn to this, even if you're sensitive to the spiritual realm or you've maybe had a spiritual experience, well, that means you're a witch. And I mean, I've even mm. heard it said, 
uh, through articles that ladies, if you enjoy a nice, nice soothing bath with some candles lit and maybe some bath salts in there well you're actually performing a cleansing ceremony and you might wow. actually be a witch because you enjoy these things wow. so if you've got an impressionable young believer or a teen who oh i i enjoy uh you know having the candles and and the 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 salts and things and how it smells amazing and oh wait this actually could mean i'm a witch because this is sort of like a spell that i'm doing or i enjoy cooking and infusing um, herbs and things in what I'm what I'm cooking or using herbal remedies rather than just over-the-counter medication. Maybe that means I'm a witch. So this can cause some really, some some conflicts, some faith conflicts yeah. within the individual um, just because of, of these false arguments that sound valid. They are valid, but they're completely unsound. Mm. And so that's kind of the appeal there is it's it's highly customizable. It's purely subjective and it's hyper-focused on, on the feels, on the aesthetics and achieving a materialistic gain without actually saying, wait a second, is this what God wants from me? Is mm -hmm. this good? Because Christianity is about laying ourselves down, every bit of ourselves every day at the foot of the cross. Whereas mm -hmm. other worldviews, especially Wicca, no, it's about what do I want? Well, now I need to cast a spell to get it. So it mm -hmm. is that hedonistic indulgement of whatever I want, I'm going to go out and get. Man, and I, I had to write this down when you said it because it always strikes me as just stunning how, um, how if you have the view that morality is relative or subjective, mm -hmm. you know, it's just kind of what yeah. I think it is, um, you really f forfeit the right to ever tell anybody else they're wrong about something. And yet, Absolutely. to say that something is toxic. You have to say that that's objectively bad. That's a moral category to say that something is toxic. That means it's poisonous. It's harmful to people. It's something that's bad. And so to say like Christianity is so toxic because they believe there's a right and a wrong is to actually invoke the idea yeah. of right and wrong by which to say Christianity is wrong. So it just, it, it falls in on itself logically um, every time. I just had to write that down because I see that so often too in the deconstruction movement and in progressive Christianity. Um, they, they, don't want to ground morality in an objective standard like God, but they don't hesitate to use it. Um, they have to, but they kind of, as our friend Frank Turk says, they have to steal from God in a way to be able to even make such a claim. They have to borrow from the Christian worldview to even be able to say that Christians are toxic or wrong or harmful to people, because that, that assumes that there are moral categories that are at least somewhat fixed. And that's just really interesting. Well, as we close out here, Amy, this has been, I mean, so fascinating. I, I really hope that uh, everybody who listens will be as utterly fascinated as I have been to hear about all this. Um, but let's get real practical for people as we close out. You know, I'm, I'm assuming there's probably some older parents who have adult children who are being swept into some of these things. You might have uh, younger parents who maybe have some, a kid going off to college who's starting to experiment with maybe things that the kid doesn't even realize are, la are leading them in this direction, like buying into some of the, uh, the claims of, uh, you know, like you know, you talk about the holistic health movements, like there's some legitimate things in there. Of course, it's not all like new age or, or Wiccan or stuff, but there's a lot of stuff. I've seen this happen with people I know where they, they don't have the ability to discern between what's an actually like scientifically based fact about an mm -hmm. oil or something versus, you know, it's going to cleanse your chakras or whatever. People right. have a hard time like discerning these things. So I, I specifically would like to know what advice you would give to someone who may have someone in their life who's being tempted by these things or might even be fully into it and even calling themselves a witch. You know, what's the best approach as far as evangelism? 
probably the best approach is to ask as many questions as possible and truly listen to understand where they're coming from. I mean, like I share in my story, what drove me into Wicca was a, a series of uh, just bad treatment from people who claim to be Christians. And then the allure of a worldview that focused on things I naturally liked and were drawn to, and then raised those things into an idol in and of themselves. So perhaps a good first step is just, okay, what it, what is attractive to you? What what maybe led you to this point? I mean, Greg Kokel is fantastic for the questions that he asked to understand the person's worldview. And that's what we should be doing. And then even before that, you know, looking at and, and recognizing that, yes, you know, there are, there there are herbs and stuff out there. Chamomile has a calming effect. Uh, willow bark has uh, the chemical property that we get aspirin from to where back in the, the, the West and the Victorian era, they didn't have aspirin. What you would do is brew a cup of willow bark tea and that the, the component that is the pain reliever within the bark would seep into the tea, you would drink it and your pain would, would go away. So God gives us elements within nature, herbs and, and roots and things that are often comprised within medicine that do have healing benefits. Mm -hmm. And these, these are good things. Aloe vera helps with sunburns and that sort of thing. But that does not mean that we suddenly worship the creation. We mm -hmm. recognize the creator and that's what's different about Wicca. It's the intentionality is focused on worshiping the, the creation and trying to use it to channel it for our will rather within Christianity. We recognize that God created this earth to uh, point back to him, to spiritual realities, as well as for our, our sustenance and food and medicine within it. And we recognize God within that. So there's that intentionality there that's important. So asking questions to see where they are coming from, why they believe what they believe, uh, especially nowadays, it's often tied up within LGBTQ rights and social justice. So it's under that social mm. justice umbrella. Christ or um, being a witch is something that you get that those intersectionality points where you're not seen as judgy, um, and so that might be alluring to someone who is perhaps more empathetic in nature, mm -hmm. and they don't feel comfortable saying, you know what, this is God's design. And if we are living outside of God's design, we are in sin. And if they don't, if they're not comfortable in that, they are more likely to go for a religion that's more morally relativistic in nature because it allows them to attain the spiritual without having to be accountable to anyone or to have anyone be accountable to a worldview that has strict moral and truth standards. So asking those questions, uh, getting that background, recognizing that yes, God's creation, he did create it for uh, his glory, but also health and benefit. But that doesn't mean we idolize the creation over the creator. That's good. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Amy Davidson. What a rich conversation. Don't forget to pick up the Mama Bear Apologetics book and the newer Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality uh, that Amy contributed on on that one as well. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, click that bell icon to be notified every time we release a new video. Of course, if you're listening on audio platforms, it helps so much. You guys have been amazing to leave great reviews on Apple, on all the different places. That really helps with those algorithms to get this into the news feeds of more people. Always helps if you see this go by on social media, click like, leave a comment. All of that helps with the algorithms. And I also want to say that this episode is also sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. And I've talked about SES a ton on here. They shepherded me and discipled me through my faith crisis. So thankful to them. I'm currently a student taking philosophy this semester. If you're looking for higher education options, you want to get a master's degree, a PhD, 
ADHD, I can't recommend SES highly enough. They have a three-pronged approach in every single class where every single subject is approached from the aspect of philosophy, apologetics, and theology. So it's fully orbed and uh, they are just solid. So go to ses.edu slash alisa, ses.edu slash alisa. And as we live for Christ, let's always remember to keep a sharp mind, a soft heart, and a thick skin. We'll see you next time. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.